I want to start off with a, a song. Because after my last sermon, someone told me I really should have played some Bob Dylan before I came on. Know that I'm not playing Bob Dylan. But I just want to see if anyone can guess where this song comes from. Could you hear it? Yeah? I had to mute it because I don't want us to get slapped with copyright. That's the only reason why I played four seconds. Can anyone tell me where that's from? Rocky! Very good, very good. If you did not know, that song actually has a name. It's not the Rocky theme. I learned, this, I learned a lot about Rocky this past week, and I'll share more about that in a bit. But this song is called Gonna Fly Now. If you didn't know that, you got a little bit of trivia for when Mike does another trivia night. But it, we know it as the Rocky theme. We hear that, we hear the, the horns, bah, bah, and, and it, it excites us. And for some of us, we got to hear that song for the first time in the theaters in 1976. That was the year that Rocky One was released into theaters. And folks, that theme has been played through countless movies up to 2015. I think the first Creed movie they used it. It's been played a lot. And if you have never seen any of the Rocky movies, I'll give you Nate's brief one-sentence summary, one to two sentences, summary of Rocky. Rocky is a boxer, and he's a poor, kind of low-level boxer. He's not the one making all the money, um, but he has kind of a special ability, and not like any of our Marvel superheroes, but his ability is he can take a beating. Throughout the movies, you watch him, he goes into fights, and he gets better as a fighter, but usually it's when he's fighting, his opponents are there just beating him up, left hook, right hook, taking, trying to take him down, and he just keeps moving and he never gives up. He keeps on taking the fight, and eventually, at some point, around round 15, his, his opponent gets tired, and Rocky comes in with a left hook and knocks them out. And the true fans of Rocky will tell you if a marathon comes on TV, you, all your plans are canceled, you're going to sit and you're going to watch all of the Rocky movies because they're pretty good. Uh, but what's, why we love Rocky is not just because of the boxing, but it's because... His character is inspiring. He's flawed, he's human, and you know he gets beat up a lot so his face doesn't look so good. I mean, he's, he's such an inspiring character. And the main reason I think we love him, why we, we enjoy his character so much, is because he always gets back up. Whenever he gets knocked down, he learns from his mistakes and he gets back up. And today, uh, as I shared with the children, we're going to be hearing about Peter. And Peter, the rock, and Rocky have a lot in common. And we're, as we read our scripture today, I'm going to unpack that a little bit for us. So let's all pray. God, we come to you today to open our ears and our hearts to the reading of your word, that it may teach us beyond what we know and help us to understand you better. God, use me today as a humble servant, and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. Amen. So our story today picks up with Jesus and the disciples, and they're on their way to Gethsemane. And I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, that's the CSB. So if you have a pew Bible, it's going to read a little bit differently. But it goes like this, Then Jesus said to them, all of you will fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. 
Peter told him, even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. We have been in the book of Mark for quite some time, but um, something I found interesting was kind of just looking back and seeing how the book was written and where it came from. And the book of Mark was actually, some historians say, the earliest gospel to be written down. And that was in the year 70 AD. And Mark, who wrote it, was a disciple of Peter. And knowing this is helpful, not as a little bit of Bible trivia, but we know that because the way that it was written, it was only a secondhand account. This was Mark hearing from Peter. And so we know that this lends to the authenticity of this passage, these scriptures. And when we look at Peter, to say that he was bold would be an understatement. Peter, he's one of those many characters in Scripture that we read about, and he's, they're just so lovable because they're so goofy, and so they just, they just do things because they believe in them. And when we see Peter interact with Jesus, we see that he cared for Jesus. We see that he loved him. And when we read through the Gospels, we see that he is part of the inner three with James and John. So when Jesus shares, I'm going to die, Peter, he is the first to hop up and say, If you die, I die too. But Jesus, being the Son of God, he he knows Peter better than Peter knows himself. And he tells him what he's going to do. At the beginning of this passage, Jesus says kind of an interesting phrase that kind of stands out from the rest of it. And it's, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And what he's saying there is he's referring to Zechariah 13, 7 from the Old Testament. And the disciples would be very familiar with this. They, most of them knew their scriptures and they knew that passage. And he is stating the fact that when he is taken to his death, that his followers will be scattered. And of course, they did not like hearing this. When a teacher tells you something you don't like, you usually don't respond very well. And they responded with, Big promises. We will never leave you no matter what. What's interesting is if you were to read a little further down, if the disciples remember this, if we were to read a little bit further down in Zechariah 13, 9, there's this passage, and it'll be up on the screen. I will put this third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. Peter and his fellow disciples were about to go through the refiner's fire, and they were going to have their courage tested. We're going to skip ahead, because that's been the whole plan with this series, is working story parts together. And so we're actually going to skip ahead. Jesus has been taken, and Peter is, this is Peter's big moment. This is in chapter 14, 66 through 72. While Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest's maidservants came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went to the entry, and a rooster crowed. When the maidservant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, This man is one of them. 
But again, he denied it. After a while, those who were, sta- who were those standing there again to Peter, you certainly are one of them since you are also a Galilean. Then he started to curse and swear, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Peter's denial of Jesus is a cautionary tale for us all. Because how would we, how would you react in the same situation? Would we lie to cover our own skin? Because when we lie, it's to accomplish one of two things. It's either we are in fear of the truth, getting out, people knowing, or we want something. When I was younger, I always dreaded the question, what do you do for work? What's your job? And it always made me pause because I I wanted to think how I was going to respond. And it's easy for, for school teachers or for people that work in a hospital to just plainly say, this is what I do for work. I am a teacher. I am a a secretary. I am the principal. It's easy to respond with those things. Or being in the hospital, I'm a nurse or a doctor. But to say, well, I work in ministry, it's, it's people sometimes respond in a different way. To tell somebody that I sing songs that honor God the Father Almighty Know that I've never told any, said that to anyone, like, I, that's what I do. I don't respond in that way. Because it sounds kind of intimidating, like to hear one, someone say the words God Almighty in common everyday speech. But then if I were to say, I also stand in front of a group of people, and we sing songs, and I tell them to praise God the Father Almighty. Again, they'll kind of look at me like, okay, you can just please get away from me now. Or I'll say, I hang out with a bunch of teenagers, eat pizza, play silly games. Oh, and I try to tell them about Jesus. It's nice to meet you. People would run away from me in the street if I were to ever really talk like that. And I I must admit, I've gotten better about this. I've gotten better at this as I've gotten older. And I know how to respond when someone asks the question, what do you do? I simply state, I believe in God, and I want others to know about him. And that's what I do. And until that night that Jesus was taken by the soldiers, Peter had no problem saying he was a follower of Jesus Christ. But that night, that big moment, the terrible lie of fear crept into Peter's mind. The questions, what if they throw you into jail? What if you get put on trial? What if you get put to death? Would you lie for your beliefs? When death is brought into the equation, most would admit that it is one of, if not the biggest fear in their lives. Because how many of us have sat in in a doctor's office after some tests waiting for the results, wondering, is this the end? I have to share, just a couple weeks ago, I was driving home from church, and I had Becca in the back seat, and... I was not on my phone, I swear, but I was driving and I went through a stop sign. And in that moment, there was another car coming from the opposite, from the opposite direction or from the other side of the intersection. And thank God, they actually stopped inches away from hitting me. And in that moment, all I could think of was, is Becca okay? And we got home and that, 
wonderful darling daughter of mine looks at me and says, Dad, that was fun. Can we do that? She didn't say, can we do that again? If she had, I would be like, we need to have a more serious talk about, about things. But it, we all have to grip, come to grips with that reality, that our life, it is going to come to an end. So again, I ask the question, how would we respond in the same situation as Peter? Because in the 21st century, we don't have the same threats as Peter. So we don't have to fear physical death, here in America especially. We don't have to fear physical death from our beliefs. But what if it was a social death? Or maybe to use a more common phrase, to be canceled. We want to save face. We want to fit in, so we might choose to fudge a little, lie a little. Or maybe we'll just downplay our beliefs just a little bit. We'll lie to our friends, our family, our, our coworkers, so that we don't get cut out. We want to be a part of the group. Or we don't want to be treated differently. We don't want to show up and people be like, oh, here they come. We don't want that feeling to happen. But there will come a point where we will have to choose. Do we tell the truth? Or do we lie about our faith in God? And we know that this is not the right thing to do. It's wrong to lie. And we've been hearing that since the kids, we were the age of the kids sitting up here. We know it's wrong to lie. Because lying has serious consequences. And we see that in the case of Peter's denial. He lied out of fear for his life. Because he, and he was going through his trial of fire. And I want to go back to the passage of Zechariah 13. Now we're just going to look at a, a little piece of it. And it starts with, uh, I'll put this third through the fire, and I'll refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. If you know anything about blacksmithing, which I know just a little bit, um, it's fascinating to learn about, but it's blacksmithing, when, when a blacksmith is refining gold or silver, it is heated to a very high temperature. They put it into a furnace, and it's very, very, very hot. That's the best way to describe it. Um, but it's very hot. And why, what this heat does is it melts down the gold or silver. And it causes the impurities that are inside that metal to, to just kind of boil out, to get out of the metal. And so it becomes pure. It becomes, you know, free of impurities. It's perfect and it's refined. And when that is done... It can be shaped into things like a ring or jewelry. It can be made into something precious. It can be shaped into whatever the smith wants to do with it. And God intended to do the same with the disciples, and he intends to do it with us as well. Because their great trial, the disciples, was losing their master. And being put to the test, could they stand up to their fear? Could they hold up the heat to the refiner's fire? How will we react when the time comes for our stint in the furnace? If we choose to live in fear when we're not telling others why we believe so we can be safe, friends, we will be paralyzed. We'll be paralyzed to fulfill that all that God has positioned us to do here on the time we have on this earth. And God knows our hearts. He knows our inmost being. We look at Psalm 139. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows what we've done and what we're going to do. And what's great is that doesn't stop him from loving us 
And it doesn't stop him from working through us and using us because God uses our failures. Thank God. (laughs) He uses our failures for his glory. When we look at Peter and Jesus, they are both on the same path, walking in faith. They're living into the calling that God has on their lives. But on the night of the betrayal, they separate because Jesus, he goes away from fear and he seeks God in prayer. He goes to the garden and he seeks God and prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. And sadly, Peter chose the other path. When the heat got turned up, he chose fear and he denies Jesus, his Savior, three times. When we come, when we come to moments of fear, we, church, we get to choose a path. We have the path of fear, a path of feeling separated and brokenness in our hearts, or we have the path of faith, where we claim our Savior's name in victory that fear and death have nothing on us. They have no hold on us. As I shared earlier, I I may have watched a little bit of Rocky this past week. Specifically, I watched Rocky IV for the first time, which I am told is the most American movie of all time. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. It's the most American movie of all time. I watched this for research purposes. This was not for my own viewing pleasure. It was totally research. I had to get the DVD from my father-in-law. Actually, I had to get out the DVD player. Anyway, there is a scene in this movie where Rocky is preparing for the big fight at the end. And for those of you that know the movie, you're going to be like, okay, Nate, I know all this. But for those that haven't seen it, um, in this movie, Apollo, who is Rocky's friend, um, he dies in a boxing match with Drago. And I had to say it that way. But Drago kills him. So Rocky challenges him. He says, I'm going to take him on. And this scene kind of happens in the, the later part of the movie And Duke, who is Apollo's friend, and and he was his trainer, he's now Rocky's trainer, he's giving him a pep talk. And I will not at all do voice impersonations, but I'll read what he says to Rocky. This is Duke talking. Apollo was like my son. I raised him, and when he died, a part of me died. But now you're the one. You're the one that's going to keep his spirit alive. You're the one that's going to make sure he didn't die for nothing. Now you're going to have to go through hell, worse than any nightmare you ever dreamed. But in the end, I know you'll be the one standing. And Rocky responds, I'll try. And Tuke says, you know what you have to do. Do it. Do it. How do we fight the good fight when we get knocked down? How do we fight it? We choose the path of faith, not fear. We live out our life of faith. And we don't shy away when people ask us, well, why do you believe in God? Why would you choose to do that? Because our church, our response is simple. It is very simple. Because God loves me. He loves us. And that God sent his son. He sent Jesus to live on this earth, to live a sinless life, to take on my sin on the cross and die in my place. And then through his death and resurrection, we are saved. We are free from sin. We are free from the sin of fear. This fear that is holding back our true calling in life. 
We are not supposed to be a people of fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Joshua 1.9 states, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. He gives us a spirit of courage and bravery. And that we can stand up and fight. Because when those times come that we do get knocked down, because we do get knocked down, God will always be there to pick us up. Our second thing that we can do is we can live a life of prayer. And you've all heard me say it enough times about gather, how important it is. It's doing it as Jesus did. When Jesus could have chose the path of fear, he chose the path of faith, and he went to God in prayer. And that's what we're called to do, because when we're hurting, when we are beat, when we're a bloody pulp just beaten up to to the end, we need to go to God. We need to go to Him in prayer because it's easier to fight on your knees praying than trying to stand up because we're going to get knocked down again. We cannot do it without the strength He gives us. And so, as I said, prayer has been and always will be the thing that I know I will go to because Jesus did. And today, we're going to end our service a, a little bit differently in that we're going to read a prayer together. And um, a couple weeks ago, I shared a prayer with you all from a book called uh, The Valley of Wisdom. And it's a book full of Puritan prayers. So please don't let that turn you off right away because it's a book that was written several hundred years ago. But it's a book of prayers that I know I will come to when I don't have the words to say. Because sometimes when we go to pray, it's, uh, God, help me. Amen. That's the prayer that we have. And the prayer that it's going to be up on the screen here in a moment, um, it's called the Convicting Spirit. And we're going to read it together. And I have for you all, after the service, if you would like a copy of this prayer, I took the Puritan language and made it more 2023. So they are here if you would like a copy to take home for when you are having a hard time, when you recognize that you need to turn. We need to turn back to God. And so the words will be on the screen, and we'll pray this prayer together as we close here in just a moment. So let's read together. Thou blessed Spirit, author of all grace and comfort, come work repentance in my soul. Show me the repulsiveness of sin so that I may hate it. Melt my heart by the majesty and mercy of God. Show me my ruined self and that my hope is in him. Teach me to behold my creator, his ability to save, his arms outstretched, his heart big for me. May I confide in his power and love, commit my soul to him without reserve, bear his image, observe his laws, pursue his service and be for all eternity a testimony to the value of his grace, a trophy of his victory. Make me willing to be saved in his way, perceiving nothing in myself but all in Jesus. Help me not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend on him, commune with him, be conformed to him, follow him. Imperfect, but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, 
but thankful for my state. Give me that faith which is the means of salvation and the principle and standard of all godliness. May I be saved by grace through faith, live by faith, feel the joy of faith, to the work of faith, perceiving nothing in myself. May I find in Christ wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Amen. As the team comes up to close out our time, when Scott asked me to do this this message, I think my biggest hang-up with this story about Peter is it doesn't end. We will find out how the book of Mark ends over the next couple of weeks. Peter does not get closure in the book of Mark. We have to go to the book of John for that closure. And we know that Christ does redeem him. He brings him back in. So when we are down and out, when we're beat up, yelling, Adrian, no, when we're beat up and we turn to God, he is there to redeem us. And in doing that, he is a good God.